We're so glad you joined us for this message from Anchor Chapel in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that this message is an encouragement and a challenge to your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. Well, guys, we're entering into this new series. As you know, we've been uh, in re-university throughout the first of the year, and uh, we've been really learning what it means to do something anew or do it again in a better way. Re gives us an opportunity to redo stuff and get stuff going. Well, uh, we're in a season right now that, uh, especially in the South Louisiana area where Catholicism is big, it is what season? Lent. And Lent is so much more than just fish sandwiches at every fast food restaurant right? That, that fish sandwich is popping up at every restaurant, everything you go through, fish is on there. The price of crawfish is through the roof. Uh, they're capitalizing on people not eating red meat and they're capitalizing on it, but uh, we're going to relent. And so what does that mean? That, that means that we're going to, I'm going to describe what Lent really is, and then we're going to understand what we mean when we say relent. All right, so Lent is more commonly observed in the Catholic and Orthodox churches. Uh, most uh, contemporary Protestant churches, we don't observe Lent uh, like the Catholic and the Orthodox churches. But all Christians can learn and benefit from this season. All Christians, say all. all. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday and ends just before Easter Sunday. Lent is traditionally a season of contemplation and fasting. So let me get this out the way earlier so you can still love me. Uh, I said the word fasting. And so we're getting ready to go into 40 days of fasting. I'm just, I'm just playing. I am so playing. We did that at the beginning of the year. And God, please don't call another fast. Uh, I like slowing, okay? Um, so, but, but it's, it's, it's contemplation and fasting. During Lent, Christians should focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're getting ready to hit Easter. I call that Super Bowl Sunday for the church. Man, we get geared up. We go buy clothes. We go get them two for 225 church suits. And we get our Stacey Adams and our Kohans. We get them all polished up, never, never wore slacks or blazer before in our life, but Target is about to be popping. People buying blazers from Target and button-down shirts, and men who are real, just crazy men, every one of you about to get something pink, and you're going to put it on for your one day of the year, because it's getting, I'm a man, and it's Easter, and I wear pink, come on! <laughs> So we're getting ready for Easter. And so, but it's, it's so much more than that. You know, um, Lent lasts approximately 40 days, mirroring the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness or the desert before his temptation by Satan himself. So when, I, I know Catholicism is, is, is we, uh, some of you may have come, come from Catholicism or birth. The word Catholic just means universal. And so we're all kind of Baptist, Pentecostal Catholic. And, 
and <laughs> methodological, we're methodological creatures, and so uh, in some form or fashion. But it, it, it is a mirror of the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness. And so I want to pick this up in Luke chapter 4. A lot of you probably read that if you have your physical Bibles, I, I, I want to challenge you. I, I want to challenge Anchor Chapel. I want us to all go get a physical Bible, dust it all. And next Sunday, I won't see physical Bibles in church. I know you, you can use your electronic, but I just want to see a physical Bible. And man, we're going to dive back into the word and make the Bible great again, right? So that's what we're going to do. All right. But Luke chapter four, it'll be on the screens uh, for you to read. But also, if you have your electronic devices or your physical Bible, you can follow along with me. Verses one and two, we're going to uh, extract that. And, and I'm going to work the text a little bit this morning. And it's uh, it's the story of Jesus. It's, and, and it says this in verse one. And Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. I love that. I wish I had time to preach that, but that is not what we came for this morning. Returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. I wish I could preach that too, but I'm not here to preach that. But anyway, for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was what? He was hungry. And so Jesus, full of the spirit, returned from the Jordan, led by the spirit into the wilderness, 40 days, tempted by the devil and ate nothing. And he was hungry. Does that sound like something you want to sign up for? I mean, it, I mean, goodness gracious, remember that this happening is right after his baptism. And at the baptism, John the Baptist says, the one that, that I came to prepare for is now here now. Jesus steps up, steps into the river Jordan. John takes him. He dunks him down, hold him down, make sure he was saved because you know you got to hold him down until they stop breathing. Then you bring him back up. I'm just playing. Those of you who are not baptized, I will not drown you. Hint, wink, wink. But anyway, but he held him down. He brought him up. The Bible says the sky opened. God begins to speak. The spirit descends and lands upon Jesus in the form of a dove. Great moment. Yes, I just got baptized. I had an encounter with the father. The Holy Spirit came upon me. And then he says, go to the wilderness. Get in the desert. Don't eat nothing for 40 days. This is called a supernatural fast. Very few times in the Bible you would see someone fast for 40 days. But it's a supernatural fast. But he goes straightway into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You would think that after a moment like that, people would have had their party hats on. They would have been TikToking and FaceTiming and everything. Oh, Jesus just got saved. You know, they would have been ready. They would have been on. It would have just been so on. You know, they would have been dancing singing, singing, and somebody on a tambourine, and, and you know, belly dancers, and all that, maybe, I don't know, but I'm just trying to set the scene for you, keep up with me, but, but it says this, but Jesus was led into the wilderness, why? Because Jesus had to prepare for the purpose he was created. Lent is all about preparation for purpose. It's all about 
preparation for purpose. You know, see, preparation is a process we all must go through and no one can avoid the process. No one. Come on, look at your neighbors around you and say, no one. Look at your other neighbor, your second choice and say, not even you. Can avoid the process of prepar- preparation. You see, preparation, a lot of us want to just wake up and magically be where we're going. We want to wake up. If we're, if we're in financial ruin, we, we, we believe that when we get baptized and we have an experience with the Holy Spirit and God spoke to us, that that's it. Now all my debt is gone. No, you have to prepare. You have to budget your checkbook. You got to check your credit score. You got to start paying stuff off. It is preparation. Why? Because you can't buy a house unless you prepare your finances to buy the house. Everything is preparation, but we have a tendency to think that when hardships occur, that God, that God has abandoned us. Oh, I I know I'm talking to the 21st century church, the millennial Christians, Gen Z, everybody. We think that when, when I'm saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, that man, all of a sudden serenity would hit me. I will walk because the Prince of Peace is upon me. Um, that's not my testimony. And I guarantee if I pass the mic around the room, it's not a lot of you guys' testimony. You, look, you didn't experience hell until you met Jesus. Oh, come on now. Look, you didn't experience hell. If you're watching online, you you, you know, if you're honest, and I know we try to paint this, this, this pretty Jesus life. But listen, living for Jesus, we suffer. We go through things. We endure things. We persevere through things. We, we, we succumb to certain things. We still get sick sometimes. We still get uh, uh, broke sometimes. We still have relational issues. My emotions sometimes are worse because I know Jesus. And that does not mean that I don't have faith. It just means I just got dumped into a process. And that process is called preparation. (laughs) You see, everyone's seasons of preparation looks different, though. Everyone's seasons, it looks different. So preparation for me, I was talking, I had a privilege of sitting. My parents finally got the vaccination and I hadn't, I hadn't been able to hang out with them for more than 30 minutes in, in a year and a half. And so I got a chance to go over to my parents' house yesterday and we just sit on the porch and hung out and, and talked and, and for about six hours, man, it was just a great time of hanging out. And I was talking to my parents and, and they were, and my other, my brother was there and they were talking about, and my brother would, I would say, yeah, man, uh, his kids was there and he was telling his kids how bratty I was and and how stuck up and conceited I was as a young man and I always knew what I wanted so everyone who went out with me like when we went out like to clubs and stuff yeah I went to clubs I I hung out you know but when we go to the clubs all my friends would get mad because at a certain time I'm throwing up the deuces and I'm getting out 
And and when they get to a certain line in life, I would leave. I would never cross the line. And they would all call me square and nerd and all these different things. But when I was growing up, my dad would spend time, and there's still little cassette tapes of this. He would make me learn to spell words like opelousas, learn every species of horses, and, and read about the Mississippi and how they traveled down the Mississippi, the Louisiana Purchase, and, and read all these books. And, and my mom... She would always make me pick up the Bible and write scripture and learn scripture. And, and you have to pray, son. And you're different than others. God called you out. And I hated every second of it. And I told him that last night. I hated y'all for that. I said, but in writing this message, I realized that I was, I was getting thrown into the process of preparation for preaching. Every second I hate it because if I would have crossed certain lines, I would have been ended up dead like a bunch of my friends or strung out on drugs or, 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 or ostracized or far beyond reputable repair. And so, but my parents would let me walk up to the line long enough and then pull me back because they say, I'm preparing you for what I see God has for you. See, oftentimes we think the boundaries that God has placed in our lives are negative, but really it's the fence to keep you in the process. Oh, come on. Every no isn't a bad thing. Come on, are you learning something? It's preparation because preparation, anyone who's ever been under me, under my leadership for any amount of time, you've heard me say this a thousand times. Preparation is the foundation for success. Without preparation, there is no success. Everyone you see that's successful, they went through something. They endured uh, Four years of school, six years of school, eight years of school, some 12 years of school. God bless you. <laughs> You're glutton for pain. They endured working themselves up through the retail process or working themselves up through the organizational structure of where they are to the level to where they are. They didn't just jump in. I don't care. And, and let me let me do this because we're living in a very weird time as it relates to uh, just divisiveness. And I always want to take a moment and prophetically speak to unify the nation. It's not just a black thing either. Talk to me, anchor. It's not just a white thing. It's not just an indigenous indigenous people thing. It is a human thing that all of us have to endure processes. Come on. It just looks different. Come on. The problem right now is we have people viewing other people's process and saying that they're... Oh. That they, they got there without going through a process. But the truth is, it's just different. My preparation looks a little different. Ecclesiastes 8 and 6 says this, for there is a proper time and procedure for every delight, though a person's trouble is heavy upon them. There is a, a proper time. Say proper time. We have to wait for our proper time. Robert M. Bertram says this. It says, discipline is the result of an action, while refinement is a preparation of your calling. 
So discipline is a result, is the result of an action. So I can I continue to do this action and I get disciplined. But when I prep when I get into the process of preparation, I'm getting ready for what I was called to do. Mm. A lot of us are achieving things, but it has nothing to do with our calling. You are anointed to do something specific in this earth that advances the kingdom of God. Come on, tell yourself, say, I'm anointed. You're anointed to do something that's specific to the kingdom of God that's advancing the kingdom of God. Not all of us could preach. Not all of us could pastor a church. Not all of us can live from the gospel. Some of us got to work in, in, in the field that God has called you to work in, in, in some type of area. And that's your mission field. And then what you're doing in that mission field is you're doing, you're, you're fishing. You're pulling people into the kingdom. Because there are people that you will encounter that I'll never encounter. Oh, come on. Oh, the church growth is on the pastor. If he would just preach hard, if the worship team would just sing. No, Pastor Kevin told us last week, it's on all of us to reproduce. But if you're not prepared, you walk in fear. So you can't reproduce. You see, in the framework of athletics, there is always a time of preparation before the actual game. Athletes are put through experiences at LSU that just went through this thing called the fourth quarter program. And it's and they're preparing for the fourth quarter of every game right now. And it's called the fourth quarter program. And all of the athletes hate it. They hate it like they, they walk by the field when that when the coaches are putting the stuff up for fourth quarter. And a lot of them be like, I'm hitting this transfer portal hard because I don't want to endure that. I don't want to endure it, but they go through it. You see, because the experience are far more strenuous than the activity that they're preparing to participate in. The preparation is harder than the game. I'll say that again. Your preparation is always harder than your calling. <laughs> it's always harder than the calling. Preaching to you is the easiest thing I do. I'm serious. Is it other thing? <laughs> Come on. You see, how many of you watched LSU football season this past, or uh, the, the one we want to forget? That five and five season. It was, ugh. Ugh, we lost to Missouri, gosh. Uh, why did we lose? Two teams we were far more athletically superior to. It's, it's easy. It's easy. It's an easy to answer. We lost to things we were supposed to defeat because our preparation process was cut short. And the lack of preparation played out on television. Mm, let me draw a line and, 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 and link that to our lives. A lot of us want to jump out into public into the public eye before we privately uh, pre prepare. And then the failures play out in front of everybody, which then perpetuates us feeling inadequate or going to deep depression. And it has nothing to do with the performance. It has everything to do with the preparation. Preach. 
or the lack thereof. What you do privately always shows up publicly. Do nothing privately, be a do nothing publicly. So let me hit you with four things. In the process of preparation, we must be willing to sacrifice. Say sacrifice. sacrifice. That word even feels bad coming out of our mouths, doesn't it? We must be willing to sacrifice. Let's see, in, in Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus was preparing to sacrifice himself for the entire body of Christ, past, present, and future. He was giving up everything for the people in the past, the people that were living then, and the people that will soon to come. Mark chapter 8, 34, 36 says this, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will what? Save it. He, and I love verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? In context, we, we, how many of you have ever heard that before? What, more, what would it profit you to gain the whole world? So they say that about you when you're being uh, ambitious about getting the education so you can get a better job so you can make a lot of money. They, they throw that out there all the time, but you got to read it in context. What he's saying is, if you're not, with, I don't care if you're pursuing a better job. I don't care if you're pursuing a, a healthy relationship. I don't care if you're pursuing that. But let's do it in the context of I'm following Jesus. And if I'm doing it to make Jesus' name famous, I will gain everything because I love my wife. Why? For the gospel's sake. I work hard. Why? For the gospel's sake. Come on. I preach with passion. Why? For the gospel's sake. I love you for the gospel's sake. And I'm picking up my cross. What is my cross? My cross is carrying it and living my life in a glass house that everyone can see the example of how I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Jesus. And I decided to live in a glass house. I will love to live a private life to where no one knows me. I promise you. I detest being in Walmart and I'm just shopping and someone walk up to me and be like, you're that Pastor Pitts. Ask my kids. I hate it, but it's cool. I know that's what I signed up for. All right. And so I have turned. So I'm just walking, looking at green beans. You're Pastor Pitts. And I go, hey, how you doing, honey? Sweet. Doing all right. Don't have a clue who they are. But I have to act like I know, because the moment I act like I don't know, they're offended. <laughs> but it's worth it. It's a sacrifice that I signed up for. That is my cross. You see, the sacrifice is not for selfish gain, though, but it is for the growth of the body of Christ. So when we talk about tithing and, and we, we talk about generosity here, remember, we give generously and we talk about tithing. It, it's not about you. I know oftentimes in churches, pastors, and I'm guilty of this in the past of saying, hey, if you tithe, he'll open up the windows of heaven. Tithe and open them. And they're like, and I'm giving you the benefit of tithing. That, 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 man, let's X the benefit out. I tithe because it is a sacrifice and it advances the kingdom of God. 
And just so happened, God says, you can't beat me giving. I got to open the windows of heaven. That's nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God saying, I have to be a better father to my children than my children are to me as the father. When you tithe, it unlocks something about God's heart that says, I know that it's a sacrifice and a stretch for them, but it's preparation to receive what I have for them because what you're not willing to let loose can never grow. I've never seen a seed blossom in a man's hand. Serving. Getting plugged in on the 18. Look, that's getting plugged on 18. You'll get friends. You'll get a group. You'll get a sense of community. No, I'm sacrificing my time, talent, and treasure. I'm getting on the 18. Why? For the gospel's sake. That other people could experience Jesus. That's why I serve. That's why I give. That's why I do what I do. And I'm not going to do it with a pouty face. I'm doing it because I know that it pleases an audience of one, and his name is Yahweh. Are you tracking with me? We got to relent. We got to begin to repair and prepare. Come on. The second thing is, in the process of preparation, we must be obedient to what God says. Say obedient. obedient. You see, Jesus had to be obedient to God in his earthly ministry. He, look, he is, he is, it, it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word was made flesh and dwelled among us, and in him we beheld the, oh, come on, y'all know John, for John chapter 1, and then it goes on the word, you know, the word was made flesh and dwelled among us. This is Jesus, and that word was the light of the world. It, it's, it's amazing that Jesus himself was in the beginning. Every word God spoke, the word of God, everything had to come to fruition that he spoke, but yet Jesus had to be obedient to his own word. <laughs> Why do we feel like we don't have to be obedient? Oh, I'll take shortcuts. Oh, I'll do what I do. But watch this. Philippians 2.8, Paul wrote this, wrote this to the church at Philippi. He says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He was obedient to the point of death. Look at this is Jesus. He was in the process of preparation, and he says, as I'm preparing, I have to become a subordinate to the thing I came to defeat. Are we humble enough to obey God that maybe in a season it looks like I'm going backwards? There was an old song that they used to sing, old Clint Brown. I don't know, that, that may be some of you old. Saints don't know much about Clint Brown, but Clint Brown, Clint Brown said, the devil threw a party on a Friday night. He thought it was all over and done. But what he failed to realize, the battle had just begun. He says, on the third day, Jesus, who had went to hell, rose and now he's alive and well. When they crucified Jesus, they thought it was over. It was like, we got him, over. 
It's over. That's Bible. Big facts. He dead. Look, I checked it out. Dead. Look, he ain't breathing. And they took him off the cross. It was like, yeah, he's starting to stink. So they had to cover him and prepare him for, for burial. And they, they put him in the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man's tomb. And they laid him there. And the Roman soldiers was like, just in case, we're going to hang out. But he dead. The Roman soldiers, they chilling. All, you know, Caiaphas and all them who, who convicted him, they were chilling because they thought he was dead. I can imagine Satan. He down in hell. He put on his favorite rap song and he was dancing and they were twerking all over hell. And then all of a sudden Jesus shows up. <laughs> Crazy picture, huh? Welcome to my mind. And Jesus shows up. You got something for me. You've been tormenting my people for too long because of the fall of man. I come to redeem what was once mine. I used to hang out with him every day. I used to chill with him every day. They had eternal life, and I come back to give them eternal life. Where my keys at? We think that they were boxing and fighting and tormenting. No, when Satan saw him, he was like, hold on. Here you go. I'm sorry. And on the third day, Jesus got up. And the only reason he was able to get up because he was obedient to get down. How many of us are willing to get down in order to get up? There's a message I preached about six years ago. It said, get down with your bad self. And not bad meaning good. <laughs> Come on. Listen, we must decide to obey God no matter what it would cost us. And most of the time, it costs us of everything. When God speaks, remember this. Obedience is on us, but the outcome is on God. Obedience is on us, but the outcome is on who? So I just got to listen. I just, I just have to listen. Whatever God says, I, I love the first, we're, in, in, in my men's group, we're going through the book of John and we got to the scripture where Jesus performed his first miracle at Canaan of Galilee. And we were talking about this miracle that was happening. And, um, and I said, isn't it amazing that Mary goes to Jesus, say, Jesus, look, they ran out of wine. Jesus is like, woman, what does this got to do with me? You know, like, this ain't got nothing to do with this. Ain't my wedding. I'm just here. You know, it ain't my fault they ran out. But he, he had compassion. And, Jesus, and Mary turns around with Jesus telling her he ain't going to do nothing and says, whatever he says, do it. I'm here to tell you that whatever God says, do it. It was not up to the ones who grabbed the containers, the clay drawers, and bring the water. It, it wasn't up to them to perform the miracle. It was on Jesus. Only thing they had to do was be obedient to what Jesus says. And I'm here to tell you this morning, whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Do you hear me? Do you hear me online? Anchor online family. Whatever he says, do it. I promise you, it's better on the other side. In the process of preparation, we must grow in the knowledge of the word of God. When the enemy came to tempt Jesus in Luke chapter 4, he used the word of God against the enemy, not philosophy. Not P 
Pitt's phraseology. He used the word of God to come back to enemy. I love what David writes in Psalm 119 and 18. He says, open my eyes to see the miracle wonders hidden in your words. I want to see the miracle wonders hidden in the word of God. It's, it's amazing that there are miracles hidden in the word of God. And we walk around depressed and defeated. And he says, if you would just open my word, there are miracles right there that I want to manifest in your life right now. It wants, he wants to happen to happen. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy. He says this, all scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be com- competent, equipped for how many good works? How many good work? Every, Every good work. But it won't happen if we're not equipped with the word of God. You see, the word of God is a weapon in the hand of the believer. It is is a sword. It is a a sword. It it is a double-edged sword. It 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 is so Powerful, dividing even the spirit and the, and the soul. It, it, it divides. It's the word of God. And we can wield that thing like a weapon and we'll fight. And we also have this shield that is called faith. We have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We gird our loins with the belt of truth and we walk around in G nights. That's the prepper of your feet with the gospel of truth. I mean, gospel. So on your feet, G nights, G, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> but we have all these things that are defensive, but we have one thing that is for our off- offensive use. It's the word of God. We take territory with the word. Oh, that's good, Pastor Pitts. We take territory when we have the word hidden in our hearts and it begins to come out of our mouths and we speak to things that are dead and we tell it to come alive. How did Lazarus get out of the tomb? With what? A word. (laughs) How did Tabitha get up? He says, Tabitha, come on. She wakes up with a what? A word. It's the word. How did the world come into being? With the word. And so the word is a powerful weapon in the hand of the believer. It gives hope to the hopeless and peace to the troubled soul. Oh, come on. Is this good this morning? Who wants to relent? I want to relent. Hey, in the process of preparation, the last one, in the process of preparation, we must persevere when it gets rough. Look at your neighbor and say, persevere. In the text, it says, Jesus was hungry. I told you, I don't like being hungry. I don't. I don't like hungry. I like to eat. I'm Louisianian. We eats. We gets down with the get down. (laughs) Hey, the more you pour crawfish out, the more we pour crawfish in. The more you fry some sacale, the more people in your neighborhood want to be your friend. But Jesus was hungry. 
And being hungry will make you desperate. But let me tell you this. Stay in the process, though. Don't let your desperation pull you out of your process of preparation. Because my personality type, Enneagram people, I'm a three, a successful achiever. So I live for getting to the gold. I live for finishing. I live for finishing something, moving on to the next. Let's finish that. I see big picture. Everything is big picture for me. Big, that's why I surround myself with people that, that love details, spreadsheets, all that stuff. I'm like, forget the spreadsheet. Let's just jump to the end. Let's get her done. Like, come on. Let's go. What, 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 what y'all having meetings about meetings? I told you what we need to do. Let's just do it. And when we finish, we're going to dance for one day. And it's on to the next thing. But this is the problem. This is the problem. Romans 8, 18 says this. I considered our present suffering insignificant compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Because the mere word of perseverance means that there is opposition. There is something that's holding you back. But I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, don't succumb to the burden of going through your process of preparation. Do not give up. The old church used to say, we come this far by faith. God then brings us this far to leave us. Come on, some of you just need to go down to the bottom of the ship. Get on your knees and say, Jesus, wake up. And he'll give a word. Peace, be still. It was a word. He didn't, he didn't move his hand like one division. He just spoke the word. And when he spoke the word, all creation responds to the word. But he, here it is, he didn't begin to speak those words until he went through his season of preparation. Oh, come on. Here it is, Luke 14, 4, 14. I'm going to prove it. The word. It says this, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. After he was tempted by the devil, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. And then he told him to go away. The Bible says the devil went away for a season. And then he comes back to Galilee. And how did he come back? The Bible says the spirit led him into the wilderness. But when he came out of the wilderness, it says he returned in the power. That word power right there is the word exousia, which means authority in our English language. He returned with authority. It equates to a, a, a police officer who's in uniform that now has a badge. He has the authority to pull you over. And now God says, when you go through preparation, when you come out, you now has exousia. You can walk out. Watch this. He says, at the mention of my name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. What does that mean? We have authority. Because I stayed in my process of preparation. I can say, Satan, the Lord rebuked you. I can say, body, you be healed. I can say, mind, you be at peace. Why? Because I went through my process of preparation. There's a quote by Sean Payton. 
only on Sunday in the game does the practice become really worthwhile. I hate the practice. But when it's game time and I'm whipping tail, I'm like, I thank God for the practice. See, your Sunday may not be a football game. But you were created with purpose, on purpose, for purpose. But you have to be prepared to fulfill it. Come on, everyone, just stand to your feet. If you're at home, stand on your feet. Go ahead. It's fine. If you're here today, and I want to ask just a question. How many of you have been going through your process of preparation by a show of hands. Who's, who's, been, who's been feeling that? Just God, you working on me and in me at the same time. <laughs> I mean, it don't feel good, but I'm here to tell you, stay in the process. Stay in this process, and I want to pray for you. Come on, every hand that is lifted in. I want to pray for you, Father. I pray now, God, that the very same power that raised Christ from the dead now will be aware of in our minds as we go through this process of preparation. Father, I pray now for peace through the process. I pray, God, that as they sacrifice, as they grow in knowledge, God, as they are obedient, and God, as they persevere, God, that now your peace will be upon them. And when they return back, when they go forth into purpose, that they'll be in power. Father, let people marvel at the majesty of your might and your glory that's on your children that, that are saying, God, I want the strength to make it through this. God, let my marriage be better. Let my finances, let me go from broke to balling, God, because I'm prepared. God, I pray now for peace, God. I tell chaos to cease now, God. Thank you for the union and the unity that is taking place in this place. Now I want to pray for those of you who may not know this Jesus that we're talking about. You may not know him, so I want to pray for you. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I want you to be my Savior. I need you to be my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Now I call you Lord. I give my life to you, and I give my heart to you forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Now come on, everyone in here, give God the best shout of praise that you have. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Anchor Chapel. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries or to support us, you can do that at anchorchapel.com. You can also follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.